The following is a sermon from Gila Valley Baptist Church, and we pray this message strengthens your relationship with our Lord and Savior. We're located in Gila, New Mexico, and to learn more about our ministry or how to support our ministry, please visit GilaValley.org. Would you please open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12? If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verse 11, sorry, verse 1 through verse 11. The main idea this morning is that Christians should look to Jesus who endured the full weight of suffering and trust in the Father's providence through all trials and hardship. I'm going to tell you guys a story this morning about a husband and wife, a couple, There's a husband who pursues his spouse. There's a husband who loves his spouse dearly. But the wife simply does not reciprocate. She doesn't understand. And so the husband set a time on the calendar every single week where they would be able to come and hang out and build their relationship together. And every time of the week, the female would say, you know what, I'm too busy this week. The husband would text encouraging text messages throughout the week, and the wife simply would not respond. Now, when I share this relationship with you guys, you guys would say that it's a very unhealthy relationship. But sadly, that's a relationship that a lot of us have as a bride of Christ. And so, my prayer is that we would see our relationship with Jesus as the utmost important relationship in our life. That we wouldn't just have a day of the week that we were able to come together if we weren't busy, if something else didn't come on, because that's not a relationship. A relationship with Jesus is a commitment with Jesus. And some of us, I understand, we don't have spouses. And so for those of us that are younger, are still waiting for our spouse, I would use the illustration of our cell phones. Every single time we want encouragement, every single time we're bored, what do we do? We pick up our cell phone. Well, could you imagine how your relationship with God would be If instead of picking up your cell phone 40 times a day, you picked up your Bible just a couple times. It's very, very convicting. When we are reading in Hebrews chapter 12, to give you some background context and information, Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. It's where we see Old Testament believers... And the faith that they had in God through different hardships and different sufferings that they experienced. When Paul's writing his letters, he writes them in three different illustrations. Sometimes he would use a war illustration and he would say, hey, we are in a spiritual war. And so he would speak to them as those who are in the army of God. There are some times when Paul was speaking and he would speak to them as 
an illustration of a court of law, and he would say, hey, we are guilty, and we are saved. We are justified through our faith in Jesus. But here in Hebrews chapter 12, he uses an athletic illustration. In fact, the Olympics is going on in a town called Alexandria, close to this church that would be receiving this letter. And so when he uses these terms that we're going to see, these athletic terms, this was very, very near to them, and they would understand it. Let's pray before we read God's word. Father, would you help us this morning? Father, would you renew our understanding of how important our relationship with you is? And Father, as we face difficult times in our life, may they draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. God's word says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and exceeding and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When we see in verse 1, we see that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. This is referencing the different Old Testament believers that came and witnessed Christ through their different hardships. But let me encourage you, church, that we here are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses this morning. We have gone through hardships. Each and every one of us, our faith has been tested and it has been matured. And so may we lean into our relationship with one another and may we understand that the different sufferings and hardships that we have all gone through make us closer to Christ. I want to ask you this question. Do we have a better relationship with sin than we do with Jesus. Have you ever thought of that before? Using the illustration from earlier, would you say that you spend more time practicing sin or you spend more time practicing holiness? And if you spend more time practicing sin, then at the end of service, I'm going to ask this question again. And if you say, you know what? My relationship with Jesus is all messed up and I need to recommit my life to Jesus. I need to refocus my life on Jesus. Then at the end of service, would you come and make that confession? But this is us training in holiness. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We're laying aside every weight could you imagine if we just had no weight, no stress in our life? We're laying it aside. We're casting it on Christ because he cares for us. Every worry. Why do we do this? Why do we lay aside every sin which seems to cling so closely to us? Because we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
And let us run this race that's marked out before us, that's set before us, this race of our life. We are training in holiness, living a life that we have been entrusted with. In verse 2, we see that Jesus has saved us, and he is saving us. He saved us from our sin, but he continues to save us daily from the sin that we continue to practice in. So this idea of holiness is not us claiming that we are holy on our own accord or we're already perfect, but because of our relationship with Christ, we are seen as perfect. And because Christ is our Heavenly Father, because God is our Heavenly Father, we desire to look more and more like him each day. And so he's saving us and he's changing us in this process of becoming more holy. Scholars struggle with the word for here in verse 2. For the joy. And so the actual Hebrew word is translated as previous previous joy or current joy that they're experiencing. And so when we look at this word for here and for in verse 10 later in our time together, let's see it as not only past, not only current, but also future. And so for the joy of Jesus, Jesus could have not endured the cross. He could have had the joy that stood before him, which so many of us try and cling to in our sin. And we want the instant gratification. If Jesus went on earth and he said, hey, I'm going to be glorified. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this miracle and I'm going to do this miracle. And they're going to see me and they're going to worship me and they're going to praise me. Jesus could have done that. But then he wouldn't have died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And so he saw the joy that was there, but he saw, more importantly, the joy that was set before him in a relationship that you may be offered with him. And so he endured, he suffered for us. He endured the race that was set before him. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, it's not your will, sorry, it's not my will, but it's your will that must be done. This was set before Christ, and we have a race that is set before us, and there are going to be different obstacles in our race. There's going to be different hardships and trials in our spiritual race, but may we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, who is the author, who is the source and perfecter of our faith. He saved us. He's the source of it, and he's the perfecter. He is saving us in our relationship. Despising would be a cultural understanding for them, and so we see in verse 2, despising the shame. Jesus didn't say, hey, I want instant gratification. I want the approval of others. I want everyone here on this world to give me a pat on the back. But he went through the shame of the cross. And so the cross to the culture would be the electric, the electric chair to you and I. And so if we, we know the shame that that has, right? We know, hey, if someone's sentenced to death in the electric chair, that's pretty shameful, 
in that culture and in our culture here. And Jesus was sentenced and he endured the cross, despising the shame. He said, it doesn't matter what the current situation is, but I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. It doesn't matter what they think about what is going on because I know that there is for the joy that is set before them. And often we see God as in a position of authority. And he is. But Jesus is also in a position of authority. He's seated. This is the whole goal of the cross, that you and I would too be seated. But he is seated at the right hand of God on the throne. This is a royal relationship that he has. This is a supreme relationship that God has. Seated at the right hand, a position of authority. And then verse 3, if we don't, and some of us don't, have that example before us. Some of us don't have parents that model Christ-like behavior. Some of us don't have people that we can look up to in the church. And so Paul understands that and he says, hey, if you don't know the Old Testament and all those stories of the hall of faith that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, and if you, you can't understand you know, what Jesus has done on the cross right here, consider him. Consider him the, the perfect life of Jesus. He's the perfect example. And so if you can't uh, think of a cloud of witnesses, would you just think of Jesus? Would you consider Jesus the perfect example of obeying God through suffering? And may we not weary of doing good. He says, hey, in this race, this is a race. You see how big I am? I can't run. And I got to run this spiritual race that's set before me. And so I better train to be able to run in this race. But he endured from sinners, sinners that didn't understand what they were doing, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest of good. But in this race, let's not grow weary. Let's not be discouraged. Let's just focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There will be distractions. There will be people in the stands that are cheering for you. And there will be people in the stands that are hoping that you fall flat on your face in this race called Christianity. But may we not focus on them. May we focus on Jesus. God doesn't want us to be happy. Maybe you guys have never heard a pastor say that before. God doesn't want us to be happy. His primary goal is for us to be holy. Let me say that again. God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. See, happiness is a temporary state here on earth. He wants us to be made perfect through what he endured on the cross. Hey, why does this happen? Why does this happen? Why do I go through this? Why do I experience this hardship? 
God cares so much more about your holiness than he cares about your temporary happiness. And he disciplines us. Let's read verses 4 through 11, a big passage of text here. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Let me pause right there. Earlier, one of our deacons, Ray, read this same passage. But we found it in Proverbs. And now Paul's quoting it here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated in, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may Share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. In your struggle against sin, you will struggle in your battle against sin. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you're no longer going to face temptations. No, you will struggle in this battle against sin. Fighting sin is a struggle that all of us face. But may we resist opportunities to sin because we will be presented with them at work. We will be presented with them in our household. We will be presented as what we watch on TV. We will be given opportunities to sin. May we resist those opportunities. Verse 5 says, have you forgotten who you are, child of God? And so as we're running this race, some of us can get tired. Some of us can get discouraged. But maybe you guys have seen that illustration on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever where sometimes someone's running a race and they're really, really tired and their friends would come and they would help them finish the race. May we help each other in our race, in our pursuit to the finish line, which is at the right hand of God. But our identity is in Christ. And so it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter the different hardships and struggles that we go through because our Father is the creator of all things. And so that weight that you're feeling on yourself as you're trying to 
please, Jesus, would you just lay that aside? And lay aside the, the sin that clings so closely to us. And let's just run the race because Jesus has finished it for us. He's already at the finish line. And we are his children. When we look at the word discipline, that's a negative word in our culture. Discipline is actually coming from the root word discipleship. And so would we allow the God of the world, the creator of heaven and earth to discipline us if we don't see discipline as a form of punishment, but we see discipline as an opportunity of discipleship to become more like Christ. Because in our hardships and in our sufferings, we lean closer into Christ. And so how does the Lord need to get your attention It's the purpose of our hardships. It is for discipline that you have to endure. Discipleship from God is an investment in your faith. And let me change the word. Discipline from God is an investment in your faith. It shows how much he loves us. We see this in Proverbs 3, but we also see it here in verses 5 and 6, that he loves for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And so if we are being disciplined, if we are being corrected by our Father, our Heavenly Father, then we understand discipline is an act of love. In the same passage in Proverbs chapter 3, some of us may be familiar with verses 3 through 5, and it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart in every season. I'm adding in every season. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Don't neglect discipline from the Lord. Don't avoid discipline from the Lord. If the Lord's trying to get your attention, then lean into it. The temptation to avoid persecution or to abandon the faith is ultimately the temptation to submit to sin. Let's not do that. God is treating us as sons. We see in verse 7, for what son is there whom the father does not discipline and we are God's children. So let's not avoid the discipline. Let's not avoid the discipleship. Kids want to look like their dads. And so fathers, we're not perfect. But we do have a perfect father. And so as all of us can understand our relationship with trying to please our earthly father, may it be so much more valuable to you to please your heavenly father. And to look more like daddy Jesus. The word Abba that we see throughout scripture, not in this text, but throughout the Bible, Abba is actually translated as daddy. This intimate relationship that we have with our heavenly father. Verse 9 and 10. 
Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more respect our heavenly father? Respect the Lord's perfect plan that he has for us. And let's submit to the opportunity of discipleship that we may not enjoy, but it allows us a closer relationship with the Lord. John Piper recently retired from the pulpit ministry at his church and now has a separate discipleship ministry. But he has a belief that you never retire from ministry. And he maybe is in his 80s or 90s and he preaches weekly. Beautiful. He has a quote that says, He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I'm going to say that again. He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Are you satisfied in Christ? Do you run towards the author and perfecter of your faith? Are you so worried about the distractions of the rest of the world? It is for our good. I love that in verse 10. It's for our good. And remember this word for is previous good, current good, and future good. And so God is pursuing us for our previous sanctification and the good of our life before Christ to have a relationship with him now. And now that we have a relationship with him on earth, he is working for our good He's protecting us as a earthly father would protect their own children. The Lord is protecting and providing for us even so much more. But again, remember, he, he cares very little about the momentary happiness that we experience and more about our future holiness. And so for our good is the one day relationship that we're able to have seeing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is worthy to be praised. This is his perfect plan through showing us his grace. God shows us his grace so that we may lean into it. Verse 11 says, so that we may share in his holiness. It's not our holiness, but we're sharing in the holiness that Christ has. And then verse 11, sorry, for a moment all discipline seems painful. Man, we can, we can relate to that. But it's a moment, it's temporary. And so the, the hardships and suffering that we face here on earth is just for a moment. Let's not forget eternity with Christ the sickness that we have to experience is just for a moment and it seems painful. In fact, what happens when a mother or father disciplines their kid? They stomp to their room. It's the end of the world, right? That's what they seem, that's what they seem to understand. Why couldn't I run out in the middle of the road? Why couldn't I touch the hot stove? That's what it seems as painful, but we understand as parents that we are protecting 
and discipling our children in the way that they should run the race here on earth It seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so the struggles and the hardships that you struggle with and that you've overcome, remember the context here. Remember what verse chapter 11 was. Remember what verses 1 and 2 was. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. And so if you've gone through a struggle and it brought you closer to Jesus and you're still struggling with the sin that clings so closely, lay aside the weight. But as we come together as believers, let's understand that there are some of us who have been through the mess that some of us right now are trying to fight on our own. This is the peaceful fruit. Your testimony, your story about how you've come into a relationship with Jesus and the different things that you have overcome that drew you closer to Jesus is not only for your benefit, but it's for the benefit of other believers in the church as well. Your testimony may help someone who is weary in their faith. Your testimony of overcoming suffering and hardship may encourage someone who is running this race and about to give up. May we fix our eyes on Jesus. Could you imagine if we would be a church that just fixed our eyes on Jesus and nothing else mattered? Disagreements wouldn't matter if we were just all focused on Jesus because we would all be looking at the goal that's set before us in Christ. And so we wouldn't argue about this and that, but we would just say, hey, I just want to please my Heavenly Father in Jesus. I just want to look more like Jesus, who is my Father. Christians should Look to Jesus who endured the full weight of suffering and trust in the Father's providence. Trust in the Father's plan through all trials and hardship. What you have experienced and maybe what you are currently experiencing is for your good, your future good, your current good and your future good. And let me add, that maybe someone needs to be encouraged by something that you're currently going through right now. And so may we as a cloud of believers help each other in this race. God's purpose for grace is so that you can grow in your faith. God's purpose for grace is so that you may grow in your faith. Could you imagine if we knew everything that the Lord knows? If we knew everything the Lord has protected us from and saved us from, and we may try and put that weight on us. Hey, I'm going to be late to work, but really we avoided a car accident. Hey, I, I, I got to do this, or I can't wear this shoe or that shoe, but what, whatever it is, maybe that shoe was about to give out. And these are very small illustrations of how much the Lord has protect us from. If we knew everything that the Lord knows, parents, you know things that your kids don't know. 
And you tell them they can't go over to that person's house and hang out because you know what happens at that house and they don't. And you don't want them to know, so you're protecting them from it. The Lord is protecting us. The Lord is guiding us. And so again, let me invite our band to come at this time. And let me ask you this question. Do you have a better relationship with Jesus or do you have a better relationship with sin? We all struggle with sin. But that answer should be very clear and very well defined in your mind right now. Do you practice sin more than you practice holiness? Do you practice sinning and becoming more like Satan every single day? Or do you practice holiness and becoming more like your heavenly father every day? And so that question should convict us if we do not have a relationship with the Lord. But may we aim to keep our eyes on Jesus who is the source, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And stop stressing about everything else that does not matter. But just focus on Jesus. Would you come this morning?